You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. to look in that mirror that the Apostle John is holding up, look into it closely and examine what's going on in our own hearts. And you're going to ask me, well, why? Why should I do this? Well, in the Gospel of John in chapter 13, in verse 35, Jesus said that this love is going to set us apart from the world. 1335 says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you were asked, how do I love someone? Would you have an answer? In today's message, Pastor Dave explains that we're called to love others the way God loved us. It's only when we look at how God loved us that we'll learn exactly how we're supposed to love others, unconditionally and eternally. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 4 as he begins his message, Love, Love, Love. You are sure. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Shall we pray? Wow. Lord, as we come to this new years, we look at the love that has been poured out upon us by you. We look at a cross and try to figure how that can possibly mean love. But Lord, oh, It speaks volumes to our heart of the love that you had for of us, that you continue to have for us, that you continue to pour out upon us, Lord. The love that is new every morning, a love that we can share one to another, love that you've told us to share one to another. So, Lord, we ask that you would be glorified today in this time, that you would fill our hearts to overflowing with your spirit, Lord, and that we would rely on your spirit to guide and lead us into the truth of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we're so grateful that you've given us this time together, Lord. And we know, Lord, you don't waste any time, that everything is profitable to you. So, Lord, help us, Lord, to now sit before you. Listen with true ears. Open our hearts to what you might want to say to us today. And may we just know that we need to look at ourselves and move forward in this new year according to your purpose and your plan. Thank you for these saints that you've gathered this morning. Bless them abundantly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I've been studying through the scriptures, especially the epistles of the New Testament, I noticed that each writer of the epistles, now Paul wrote two-thirds, but the other writers, Peter, James, John, Jude, they all seem to have a theme that they constantly went back to. For example, Paul is known as the apostle of faith. Peter is known as the apostle of hope. 
James, the apostle of good works. And the apostle John, come on, you know, he's the apostle of love. Yeah. John is the apostle of love. John mentions love more than any other writer in the New Testament. In fact, when we studied the gospel of John, he mentioned it in 21 chapters, by the way, 57 times. And here we are studying his first letter, five short chapters. He mentions love 47 times. You think it was important to John? Remember now, John identified with Jesus's love, calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, remember? Why? He knew that nobody loved him like Jesus. He was there when he saw that love demonstrated on the cross. He heard Jesus's words on the cross. He was there. He experienced that love firsthand. In fact, he took the commandment to love one another to the nth degree because of the love that he experienced from Jesus. There's a great story that is told by one of the early church fathers, Jerome. And he said that when the apostle John was in his extreme old age, he was so weak that he had to be carried into the church meeting. And at the end of the meeting, he would be helped up to give a word of exhortation to the church. And invariably, he would always say, little children, let us love one another. The disciples began to grow weary of this. The same words all the time. And finally, they said, why do you always repeat these same exact words? And John looked at him and said, because it's the Lord's commandment. And if this is the only thing that's done, that's enough. So as we come to these verses this morning, we may identify with these disciples of John. I mean, he's already emphasized love in chapter 2. He hit it again in chapter 3. Remember when we talked about the spiral staircase? How every time you go up a spiral staircase, you end up at the same point? Well, here we are again. John is once again climbing the staircase. And we need to be careful. Why? We could be prone to say, yo, John. Yo, Pastor Dave. Enough of the love stuff, huh? We've heard it. Come on. But John not only, re- not only repeats this imperative to love in today's verse, he goes on into the next chapter. And he hits it harder and harder than ever before. He wants to make sure that we, the believer, those who were reading his epistle during this time, those who would read it later, like us, he wants us to know and understand that love is not an option for the believer. Did you hear what I said? Love is not an option for the believer. He wants us to understand that love is not only the distinguishing mark of the church in the world, but it is also a definitive and distinguishing mark of the Christian filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is very important. You know, Paul understood this when he wrote the beautiful love chapter in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. But listen to how he begins the chapter in 13. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits nothing. Now, I am not discounting the gifts of the Spirit, and you know me better than Scripture clearly supports the gifts of the Spirit today. 
They're available for us to use today, and we should be practicing the gifts of the Spirit today in the church. We should be seeking the gifts of the Spirit, whether they be speaking in tongues, whether it be prophecy, or the others. Healing, we've seen healing here. And it's definitely the proof of someone being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I will not argue that. But what Paul is saying here, that these gifts are to be operated in love. They're to be operated in love, and without that, they have no value. That's exactly what Paul is saying. And John takes it further. John today is going to say that if you do not love others, you don't know God. So on this new year, on this new Sunday morning of the new year, we need to examine our hearts. We need to look in that mirror that the Apostle John is holding up, look into it closely and examine what's going on in our own hearts. And you're going to ask me, well, why? Why should I do this? Well, in the Gospel of John in chapter 13... In verse 35, Jesus said that this love is going to set us apart from the world. 13.35 says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this love that John is talking about will separate us. So you're probably thinking right now, okay, John, okay, Dave, I get it. But you know what? I love. I love. Okay. My next question is, how do you love? How do you love? Do you know that there are eight? words in the Greek for love. There are eight different words used in Greek for love. You probably heard of them. The first one is eros, which is romantic or passionate or sensual love. Then you have phileo, which is affectionate love, known as brotherly love. You have storge, which is familiar love or family love. You have mania, which is obsessive love, like a stalker. You have ludus, which is a playful love, like a playful crush. Then you have pragma, which is an enduring love. It stands the test of time. And then you have philolodia, which is a self-love. Sadly, this is the way the world loves. The world loves like one of these seven. And much of what the world calls love in our modern society bears no resemblance to the relationship with God and the holy spiritual love that God has called us to love with. This is why when Jesus spoke, he upped the ante. So to speak. He upped the ante when he told the disciples to love each other as I have loved you. Whoa. Love each other as I have loved you. How did Jesus love them? The word in the Greek, agapeo. Agape. It's the eighth word for love in Greek. It's a selfless love. It's the love that is the very nature of God. This love is unconditional. Unconditional. It's bigger than all of us together. It's a love of boundless compassion. It has empathy beyond measure. And you extend it to everyone, whether they're your family or not. And it should be extended whether you get it back or not. When Jesus died for us, did we love him? This is the love that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians. Those beautiful love chapters that seem to be only read at weddings. So in our verses this morning, The Apostle John gets down to the very foundation of the matter of love. And in these several verses, we discover why love is such an important part of the life that is real. Remember, I've been telling you that in this epistle, John is trying to show us what the real life looks like. What does life that is real, what does a life that is true look like? One commentator I read said, quote, Love is a valid test not only for fellowship with God, but of sonship as well. Because love is God is is love. Love is the part of his very being and nature. 
If we are one with God through faith in Jesus Christ, we then as his children will show his nature. And since his nature is love, love becomes our test of our reality of our spiritual life, unquote. Now, the apostle John was no slouch. He was a smart cookie. He knew that this love and this commandment would be difficult for us. He knew that this commandment would be difficult. He knew that all too well. So he wants to begin by giving us the reason we should love each other. So in our scriptures today, in verses 7 and 8, we have the reason that we should love one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The Apostle John is dear to my heart because when he says words like beloved, when he says words like little children, it just touches my heart because I see a pastoral love. I see a love that he had for his readers that he's calling them their attention again. He's calling their attention beloved. He, this is an impassioned plea. My beloved children. It's an endearing term and it means dearly loved. <laughs> One commentator said that since beloved is a term of endearment and is used to express deep love towards someone, by using this term, John is basically practicing what he's preaching. I like that. But remember, when you study the Bible, it's context, context, context. You got to make sure you have the context. Contextually, John is saying that even though we test the spirits, remember, test every spirit. John is saying that even though we test the spirits, we cannot become cynical. No. Even if we identify heresy and false teaching, we must also be those who show love because love is of God. We need to show love. John goes on to say that love is the evidence that a person is born of God. It's the evidence that a person knows God. So the very key of loving is to be born of God, first and foremost. This is why I believe that Jesus said the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the way it comes this way. Why? Because it fulfills the law. Love fulfills the law. Loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength basically fulfills the first four commandments. Loving your neighbor as yourself fulfills the second six. It fulfills the law. When we experience the love of God in our heart, the natural effect would then love with a love that is true. Love others as he loved us. The more we know him, the more we... His love is shown to us. The more we, his love is shown to us, the more we love in this manner. Do you get a pattern here, gang? More of you in my life, Lord. I want nothing more but you in my life. And as he shows his love more to me, I can love better. I can love others better because of his love. My love is based on his love because what he did for me on a cross. Loving others is based on us being born again. Loving others is based on us being born by the Spirit, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. God's love dwelling in your hearts. It took that fleshly heart that you had and it regenerated it. It made it alive in Jesus Christ. And it demonstrates to others that we know God. So when I'm loving, it demonstrates that I know God on that level. But there's a contrast here. I read verse 7. Look back at verse 8. He says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Those are harsh words by the Apostle John. The person who is not of God, nor does not know God, cannot love in this fashion. I look at my own life, my own life in my B.C. days before Christ. I could not love like that. 
I didn't know the meaning of love. I didn't know what true love was like. But when Jesus came into my heart, that all changed. I realized what love was. I realized that I could love my wife the way God wanted me to love her, as his child, as his daughter. I realized that I could love my children that way. And now I realize I can love others that way. But it wasn't until God came in and showed me how much I was lacking in the point of love and how much I thought what what love was. You might love without God. It's possible. But it's going to be one of those other seven types of love. It's not going to be agape love, pure, unconditional, selfless love. It's not going to be agape love. He wants us to love as he loved us. He loved us with agape love. He says, now share that one to us. Share that. Why? Because God is, let's all say that together. God is love. Notice I didn't say God is like love. I said God is love. The statement declared that it is his very essence. He is love. It's his very essence. But I like what Guzik says here. This is a glorious truth. Love describes the character and the heart of God. He is so rich in love and compassion that it can be described as his very being. But yet another commentator says this, listen to this, quote, when we say God is love, we are not saying everything about God. Love is an essential aspect of his character and colors every aspect of his nature, but it does not eliminate his holiness. It does not eliminate his righteousness nor his perfect justice. Instead, we know the holiness of God is loving and the righteousness of God is loving. And the justice of God is loving. Everything God does in one way or another expresses his love, unquote. Wow. John declares, all who are born of God know God. See, the false teachers that John was talking about earlier in this chapter, they're making a claim that they knew God in secret, in a deeper sense. But John was saying they didn't know God at all. They're not born again because they don't practice biblical love. Their teaching and their behavior simply promote itself and not Jesus Christ. Anytime self is being promoted, true love is promoting God. True love is allowing God to take your place and to stand up. True love is being like John the Baptist. I must decrease. He must increase. That's what true love is. It is humbleness. It's humility. True humility, not false humility. The main application that John is trying to children take on the characteristics of their parents. I feel like that guy in the commercial who teaches you how not to be your parents, you know? As you grow up, you become your parents. You hear yourself saying things that your parents used to say, that you said, I'll never say that, and here you are saying it. Well, you take on the characteristics of your parents, all right? If we've been born of God, who is love, get where I'm going here? We take on his characteristic of love. We're his children, The result is we should be growing in that love. Or sadly, here comes the sad part. The one who does not love shows that he does not know God. We need to take this to heart really seriously. There are many, many, many who claim to be born again, but they do not love others, and they don't even make an effort to love others. They're angry. They're unkind, they're impatient, they're abusive in their speech, they're self-centered in their daily lives, they're judgmental about everybody else except themselves. They spread malicious gossip and, and they have great delight in the gossip that they spread, bringing people down. They're defensive if you try to point their sins out to them. What a sad state. What a sad state, brothers and sisters, and my heart grieves and bleeds for them. In reality, their actions are proclaiming 
their actions are pronouncing that they're not born of God. They're outside of the life of God. Sadly, unless they repent and do their first works and come back to the love of God. John's point is God is love, and if we're his children, we must love each other. And I'll say it one more time. It's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. It's Jesus' command, and John is telling us now, and it's not an option, folks. So he tells us all this, but John and the writers of the New Testament never leave things out without giving examples for them. What, are, what is our example? Well, let's look at verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. John says, in this. In what? In the fact that the love of God was manifested when he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die on a cruel Roman cross. That was the love of God manifested. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A gorgeous thing. Now the word manifested here in this sense means to come out in the open, to be made public. It's the opposite of hiding and doing things in secret. See, under the old covenant, and you know this, God was hidden behind the shadows. He was hidden behind the rituals and the ceremonies and the sacrifices and all those things. He was hidden. But according to Hebrews 10.1, Jesus manifested God completely. Manifested God the Father perfectly. What did he tell Philip? Remember? Remember in John 14, what did he tell Philip? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is saying, I am manifesting God the Father to you perfectly. And it wasn't that we love God. It wasn't that we love God. He loved us. He initiated the action. God initiated the action towards us by sending Jesus to a cross, his only begotten son. He came to earth to die in our place. See, and that was what Christmas is all about. We celebrate it because it's the birth of our Savior. And we celebrate it every single day. But really, he came with a purpose. He came to die. He came to die for you. He came to die for me. He came to die for the entire world. And that was his purpose. Only begotten simply focuses on the uniqueness of Jesus' relationship with the Father. For he and he alone is the eternal Son of God who existed in the beginning with God. John 1, 1, and the word was with God. It was the same with God. Jesus existed. But, you know, we're rebels. We're rebels. We were dead in our sin. We're rebels. We were dead in our sins. But he came to the world to redeem us. We didn't deserve it. We deserved damnation. We deserved eternal separation from God. But Jesus came. And you know my most favorite verses? Oh, there's so many of them who are favorite verses. I can't say that anymore. I can't say that anymore. You guys are getting tired of hearing that. But... I just love these verses, and I have to read them to you. I love these verses in Ephesians 2. Paul writes, he said, And you, he, God, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all walked once, conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others." But God. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website 
AssureHopeRadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 1 John or jump into another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and We'd be happy to meet you and hear your story. You'll find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions, as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand and we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. Well, this edition is coming to a close, but we're grateful that you've been a part of our listening audience today. Make sure you join us again next time for more from 1 John, where Pastor Dave has more to share about this book. We look forward to that time with you again as your heart is reminded of God's love here on A Sure Hope.